Please join me in our responsive reading call to worship entitled Trust. God of morning and evening, God of sunshine and rain, you possess all the rhythms of our lives. We claim that faith this morning, convinced that it is real, not by the persuasion of our minds, but by the stories of our lives. Even when our faith is strong, we feel the pain of others, and it reminds us that we do not move through through life alone. For lo, you are with us always, even to the end of the age. Good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you are here this morning. It's uh, it's good to be inside and out of the rain and uh, in a warm place with warm fellowship. And we're glad that you are here uh, today. And we welcome our guests, especially this morning. You're very important to us. And we're happy that you are here and, and hope you'll feel very much a part of our family. 
We'd like to uh, invite our guests to uh, go to our hospitality table after the worship service. Uh, we have a little gift over there for you, and, uh, and we'd like to greet you, and we're glad that you are here this morning. Um, we have a number of announcements today. First of all, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets that are on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to fill that out and uh, so we can have a record of your attendance with us. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter that comes out each Thursday, it's a good way to, to keep up with the, the worship opportunities and service opportunities and fellowship opportunities here at Community Baptist. And if you would like to see, receive that uh, email newsletter, then uh, please be sure to give us your email address and we will put you on, on the list for that. Um, I, I believe Dottie Suggs would like to have a, a word just for a second here. For those that don't know, I'm Dottie Sugg, and I'm the executive director of Christian Outreach here in Henderson. We're in a we're just a small agency that tries to do the will of God and what Christ would do. I want to thank this church. Uh, Jika and Christine Cornelius is on our my board, and I just want to thank them for coming back to the church and telling them the need at Christian Outreach. Last week alone, we had like 200 people for food. Mike and I filled our little Toyota Corolla up while ago, and it cost us almost $60. If you can imagine a family living with children in the home and trying to live and to make everything for the month, it gets hard. And at the end, we have a lot of families coming into our agency getting food to try to make the month last. I just want to thank you, the church, thank Jika and Christine for being on the board and coming back to the church and telling them the need of Christian outreach. I want to thank you very much, and God bless you. Thank you. Uh, this church is, is truly uh, faithful um, to, the, to the ways of Christ when we are called to meet a need, we step up to the plate and we meet that need. And speaking of that, I was uh, told a little while ago um, by someone that uh, given the penchant for preachers to uh, put people to sleep, it was really nice of me to put the cots out here. <laughs> uh, these are not for you people. <laughs> these are not for you. <laughs> Uh, as, as many of you know, most of you know, we are a uh, we are serving as a Red Cross shelter uh, during this time of um, catastrophe in our community. Uh, there are many people in our community that are in um, in desperate need, and they need a place to live, a, need, a place to stay, a safe place, and a, a place to offer hospitality. And so, I'm glad that our church has once again stepped up to the plate and uh, and provided that need. And so, we will be a Red Cross shelter until we're not needed anymore, but thank you for that as well. Uh, stay away from the cots during the service. 
I told you that there are a number of uh, announcements that I'd like to uh, bring to your attention. One is, is not a very pleasant one. Uh, many of you already know that Margaret Edwards passed away yesterday. Um, a dear, a dear member of our church and a, and a friend of ours. And um, the funeral will probably be sometime on Thursday. Those plans are a little fluid at this time, but probably sometime on Thursday. But we'll be in, in prayer for Margaret's family and, and for all of us, all of our friends who, who grieve her loss. But there are some happy things that are coming up. Next week is Mother's Day, and uh, there will be a Mother's Day breakfast on Saturday. And the men will be uh, serving that breakfast, preparing and serving that breakfast. That will be 9 o'clock on Saturday morning. And uh, men, we still need a few volunteers to help. And so if you would like to volunteer, please see Greg. Um, we also have, our, 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 it's a time for us to uh, be giving our scholarships to our graduating seniors. And so if you are a graduating senior or know of one in our congregation uh, who would like to apply for one of these scholarships, then uh, please come by the church office and get an application. And that needs to be in by May the 9th. Uh, in your worship folder, it indicates that Youth Sunday is next week. Uh, that has been changed. The Youth Sunday is not next week. It's the following week on May the 15th, not um, uh, May the 8th, as is printed in your, in your worship folder. And we do still have some plants for sale. Uh, some of the plants that were adorning our congregation for Easter are for sale. And uh, if you would like to purchase some of those, please see Greg or, or Phyllis or Jerry. And uh, one last uh, announcement today, as you know, we, um, we had a uh, Sunday school competition uh, leading up to Easter throughout the Lenten service season leading up to Easter, um, and we have the results of that today. Is there a drum roll somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> Smart Alec, I'll tell you. <laughs> For our children's department, it the winner is Cindy Hall's class. For the adult division, it was neck and neck, folks. For quite a while, it was really, really close. But at the last minute, Mary Rye's class pulled ahead. <laughs> So that's wonderful. They'll enjoy a time of fellowship with a pizza, a pizza supper. So we'll get that planned pretty soon. It's great to be here with you folks, and it's great to share the love of Christ. So let me invite you to share the love of Christ with one another as we stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord.
As you are making your way back to your seats, children, come on to the front and we'll have our children's moment. Come on up, children. Boys and girls, so good to see you. Today, Pastor Tim's sermon is about Thomas, one of Jesus' special followers. He is called Doubting Thomas. Thomas thought Jesus coming back from the grave was too good to be true. He actually wanted to see and feel the scars in Jesus' hands and side to prove Jesus had actually died and risen from the dead. Doubts are something that cause us to question, make us uncertain, or just seem too good to be true. I don't know about some of you, but every day on email, we receive messages that we've won thousands and sometimes millions of dollars. And we immediately delete those messages because we know they're too good to be true. These messages are unbelievable and they're a trick and a scam. One of our favorite songs, Mr. Jerry's and mine, many years ago, before your mothers and fathers were even born, and we had already been married for about seven or eight years, but this love song was one of our favorites, and if you can't listen to a love song right now, just cover your ears. You're just too good to be true, can't take my eyes off of you, you'd be like heaven to touch, I want to hold you so much. But you know what? At that time, that song was unbelievable and really was too good to be true. Because Mr. Jerry was in Vietnam serving as a chaplain in a war, and I was living in Murray, Kentucky. We'd just look at each other's pictures and dream about being together again. We didn't have email, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have Skype. We only had letters and they were slow and we had prayers. Having our life returned to normal seemed too good to be true. A great Christian writer named Frederick Beekner said that doubts are, now listen to this, Ants in the pants of faith. Do you ever have ants in your pants? No, I don't, I don't mean really, literally have them. I know sometimes children feel like squirming and don't like to be still very long. Some grown-ups are like that too. Doubts keep our faith, what we believe in, awake and moving just like real ants 
in our pants would keep us moving. In the case of Thomas, the doubter, he did get to see Jesus and feel the scars, and it really was true. In case of Mr. Jerry, he did come home from Vietnam and continued to serve as a chaplain and pastor, and we've been together for almost 51 years, and our love really is true. If someone tells you something that seems too good to be true, it's okay to question them. But in the case of Jesus, because of Easter, we do not have to doubt. We are Easter people. Jesus loves us. And Mr. Jerry and I know a song that gives us all hope, and we'd like to sing it for you. And then we're going to put words on the screen. And after we sing it through once, we want all of you, children and grown-ups, to sing it with us. And it's got a Calypso beat. Every morning is Easter morning from now on. Every day's resurrection day, the past is over and gone. Goodbye doubt, goodbye fear, good riddance, hello Lord, hello song. I am one of the Easter people, my new life has begun. Every morning is Easter morning. Every morning is Easter morning. Every morning is Easter morning. From now on. Now let's all sing it. Every morning is Easter morning. From now on. Every day is resurrection day. people, my new life has begun. Every morning is Easter morning. Every morning is Easter morning. Every morning is Easter morning. For each of you today, would you think it's too good to be true? Yeah. <laughs> Gold is worth a lot of money now. Yeah. Let's have a prayer and then we'll see about the gold. Thank you, gracious God, for sending Jesus. Thank you that we can be absolutely certain of your love for us. Amen. Okay. We do have gold coins, but they're filled with chocolate. Here you go. Have some. Thank you for coming.
Our scripture is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, you have believed because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Let us pray together. Loving God, it's us again, O God, standing in the need of prayer. We are able to stand in front of you because you are not you not only invite us to come, but you stand and beckon us, welcoming us with open arms as any loving parent does. Just that alone is pretty incredible. But then you sit with us at the kitchen table and listen to our hearts cry. God, the world is a mess. People are suffering from hunger and exposure and abuse. People in Alabama and Mississippi are reeling over the loss of children and family of homes and belongings, of stability and life as they know it after the tornadoes. God, we learned this morning that Omar Gaddafi's youngest son and three children were killed. While we may not like him or his ways, his family still mourns the loss of children, just as we do. God, even in Henderson, We have met folks whose homes are flooded and lives who have been shaken to the core. 
but we are living resurrection days. We understand that you have not left us to deal with things on our own. You are here to give us arms of comfort to the hopeless, hands to rebuild for the homeless, hearts to love the lost. Forgive us our selfishness. Remind us that there may come a day when we need the help of strangers. Open our hearts and our lives to all of your people in your name. God, the world is a mess, but here we are. Send us in the name of the one who sacrificed it all for us. Jesus the Christ, we pray. Almighty God, giver of every good and perfect gift, we could give you nothing had you not first given yourself to us. So we ask you to give us today what we need for this day, a heaping measure of faith to free us from doubt, a cup full of love overflowing to those around us, and courage to give of our resources, both physical and spiritual, 
as a witness to Christ in us. Grant us grace that we may do with what for the moment is ours, that we may please you with what is eternally yours. Amen.
Don't we have a lot of talent in this church? And I'm thankful that they use that talent for God's good. Thanks, choir. Thanks, Summer. Thanks, Jika. Thanks, Nibby. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. <laughs> And while I'm giving thanks, let, let me thank Susan Saul. She's here today. She's the executive director of uh, Red Cross here in Henderson. She's been hanging out here a good deal this week, and uh, so we're glad that you're here today as well, Susan. Th and thank you for, for all that you're doing for um, people in need in our community. Pastor uh, Paula Womack made a top ten list of the ways that you can tell it is the Sunday after Easter. Uh, not all of the items on her list fit us, but, but some, of, some of them are very clever. So let me give you the top six ways that you can tell it's the Sunday after Easter. Number six, there's not a lily available anywhere for purchase. But we may have some. Greg, do we have any lilies? There are some out there. <laughs> Uh, number five, Walmart has rotated the Easter candy to the clearance table and has brought out the Mother's Day cards and gift ideas. Number four, the stores have removed the stuffed bunnies from the shelves and replaced them with the newest line of Harry Potter action figures. Number three, you had no trouble finding a seat at church, even if you were late for worship. Number two, the number of visitors in the worship service has dropped dramatically. And the number one way that you can tell it's the Sunday after Easter, the number of people who look like visitors but are actually church members who haven't been here in a while has dropped dramatically. Welcome to this Sunday after Easter, which is known in some churches as Low Sunday. Really, I'm not kidding. It really is. As we noted Three weeks ago, on the Sunday after Easter, we normally tell the story of doubting Thomas and his response to the resurrected Jesus. This is the day when many pastors will talk about the, the nature of doubt and how doubt is really a healthy emotion and the, the fact that, that all of us have doubts at some point in our lives. But doubt is somewhat of an intellectual exercise. It mostly involves the mind. So it's possible to have doubts about some aspect of our Christian faith and still continue to serve Christ as if you had no doubts at all. And now we know that to a certain extent, that's the way it was with Mother Teresa, one of the greatest saints who ever lived. But it's been true of, of many Christians throughout the ages. All of us have doubts from time to time. That, that's, that just goes with having a brain. But my purpose today is not to focus on doubt, but on an experience that grips many people of God much more deeply than the experience of doubt. And what I'm talking about is disillusionment. And that brings us back to Thomas. A few weeks ago, we called him Daring Thomas when we had In Defense of Thomas Part 1. We called him Daring Thomas. We felt that it was more appropriate than the name Doubting Thomas. And the reason we said this was that on one occasion, Jesus was returning to Judea where his life was in danger and the disciples urged him not to go. But when it was clear that Jesus had made up his mind that he was going to Judea, 
it was Thomas who declared, let us also go with him so that we may die with him. Pretty daring. It was a heartfelt declaration of Thomas's loyalty to Jesus. He was willing to die for the man whom he believed was the anointed of one of God. But today we're not dealing with that daring Thomas like we were a few weeks ago. Today we are dealing with disillusioned Thomas. And I believe that's a more accurate description than doubting Thomas. But you see, after Jesus' crucifixion, Thomas was thoroughly disillusioned. And you can't really blame him. In his mind, Jesus had let him down. You see, we've already seen that, that Thomas was a very passionate young man. And he was willing to drop everything and die for his master. But, but like all the other disciples, he, he thought that Jesus would fit this common expectation of what the Messiah would be. And the expectation they had was that he would be someone who would restore the glory of Israel. He would be someone who would throw off the yoke of, Rome, of the Roman Empire. He would be someone who would muster the freedom fighters and take on the, the crown that was rightfully his. And, and, and he, believed that, he believed that right up until the moment when the soldiers drove those nails into his hands and feet. Thomas believed that. But now his master was dead. How could the Messiah possibly be put to death? Had all of this been a pipe dream? Had he wasted the past three years of his life? Had Jesus sold them a bill of goods? And now the other disciples were saying that Jesus had been raised from the dead. Yeah, right. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. And so just for today, we're going to call him disillusioned Thomas. Now let me ask you something. Have you ever been disillusioned? Have you ever been disillusioned with a marriage perhaps or a career? Maybe even with a pastor or someone you looked up to? It happens sometimes, doesn't it? And it hurts. Most of you are familiar with the great psychiatrist Sigmund Freud. Freud was one of the most influential men who ever lived, and, and that's why it's disturbing that Freud ruled out almost any role for God in human life. But as we look at Freud's life, it may have been disillusionment that caused Freud to have this attitude towards life. We see, when Freud was two years old, a, a nursemaid was employed in Freud's household, and, and this nursemaid had a profound impact on Freud's life. He loved her, and she loved him. She took him to church with her. She told him the stories of, of faith. She, taught, she indoctrinated him in, in the beliefs of the church, and he was so impressed that when he returned home from church, he would sometimes pretend that he was the preacher. But unfortunately, this nursemaid was convicted of theft in a local store, and consequently, she was dismissed. And one psychiatrist suggests that it would be fair to surmise that Freud's hostility to religion goes back to this disappointment with the very person who first introduced him to religion. 
And that happens sometimes, doesn't it? Somebody lets us down, somebody that we've looked up to, and and we set up our defenses so it will never happen again. And that's what happened with Thomas. He was disillusioned because he didn't understand why, why Christ had come into this world. He didn't understand what was going on. And he was not alone because right up until the time when, when Jesus ascended into heaven, Christ was surrounded by people who loved him but did not understand him. They still expected him to redeem Israel and throw off the yoke of Rome. And of course, he would redeem Israel and all of humankind, but not in the way that they expected. So Thomas was disillusioned because he didn't understand. And, and you know, every once in a while I run into somebody who has grown disillusioned with God. And it's usually because they don't understand the way God works. Maybe they expect God to work according to their plans and But God doesn't do that. God works in in God's way and and according to God's timetable. And and some people just can't handle that. Let's face it. There's much in this life that we simply don't understand. And we've dealt with this before. But many people are deeply concerned when God works in a way that's different from the way that we expect God to work. For many years, Dr. Gerald Mann had a, a weekly television ministry, and he tells about one occasion when the director came out during a break and said, we have a call from Florida. It's a nine-year-old girl. The child's name was Sarah, and she had a question, and, and you have to remember that this was, was live, interactive television, and man never knew what was coming, but he says he'll never forget Sarah's quavering, haunting, small voice. She said, Dr. Mann, why does God allow grown-ups to kill kids? Wow. How would you answer a question like that? Sarah continued and and said, they told me at Sunday school that if I prayed, God would protect us. But God didn't protect my cousin, Suzanne. She was seven years old and somebody killed her. Dr. Mann says he was absolutely horrified and stumped. This is live television. How do you talk about things like that to a nine-year-old? And, and yet she, was, she had asked the question that every one of us who dare to believe will sooner or later ask. If God is such a great loving God, then, then why do innocent people suffer? And honestly, there's no good answer to that. But here's what we know. We know that God loves us and is in the presence, in our presence, in the midst of our suffering. And I hope that that gives us strength. But the fact is, there's much in life that we don't understand. And if something terrible happens to to us or to one that we love, sometimes disillusionment disillusionment is apt to follow. 
A few years ago, there was a great book out by Mitch Album. It was titled Tuesdays with Maury. It's a true story. Some of you probably read this book. Here's, here's how it goes. The, the author learns that the, his old teacher is slowly dying of Lou Gehrig's disease. And after an absence of many years, they, they reconnect and they begin to, to, to get together every Tuesday and just spend some time together. And the book shares some of the great lessons that emerge from these conversations. For example, here's a sample from the book that, that blends humor and, and pathos. Um, Mitch says to Mari, okay, I have a question. Mari's bony fingers hold his glasses across his chest. And Mari asks, what's the question? Mitch says, you remember the book of Job? Job is a good man, but God makes him suffer. To test his faith, I remember, says Mari. Takes away everything he has, Mitch says. His house, his money, his family makes him sick. To test his faith, Maury says again. Right, Mitch says, to test his faith. So I'm wondering, what do you think about that? Maury coughs violently and his his hands quiver as he drops them by his side. and, And he says with a smile on his face, I think God overdid it. You know, sometimes we may think the same thing. At least that may be how we feel. And, and some people can't handle that. And so they become bitter and they blame God. And, and like Thomas, disillusionment sets in. And some of you have been there, I believe, at least for a while. But fortunately, that's not the end of the story. Thomas was dejected and disappointed and disillusioned. A friend that he loved was dead and a teacher that he would have given his life for had let him down. But I want you to notice something about Thomas. He did not drop out of the fellowship of faith. And folks, I want to tell you something. This is so very, very important. Thomas was there with the other disciples when they met together after Jesus' resurrection. And you know, he, couldn't, he could have made excuses. He could have stayed at home and wrapped himself up in his gloom and despair. And, and who would have blamed him? I mean, why should he have to listen to this fairy tale about his dead friend being raised from the dead? Unless I see the nail marks in his hand with my own eyes, unless I put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. But still, he went to be with the other disciples. He still went to church. You know, I see this happen all the time. Somebody goes through a difficult time when they feel that God has, has let them down and, and the first thing they do is to drop out of the fellowship. They miss one Sunday and then a second and before long going to church is, takes more effort than staying at home. But folks, let me tell you something. That is always a mistake. Because my friends, this This is where the people are who care about you. This is where people will pray for you. 
This is where people will stand beside you and cry with you and hold your hand and love you through your despair. That's what church does. We're a family of believers who are committed to one another. Presbyterian pastor once told Tony Campolo about his early years of ministry in a small country church many years ago. He said one day a young woman came to his church to present her child for baptism, and she had given birth to this child out of wedlock. This was a small country town, and uh, this was a a time and place where this young woman um, in this situation would often be shunned. But on the day of the baptism, the young woman and her baby stood before this congregation alone. The pastor hadn't recognized the awkwardness of the situation until he asked as a part of the baptismal service, who stands with this child to assure that these commitments and promises will be carried out? Who will be there for this child in times of need and and assure that this child is brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? And it was at, at that moment that he realized that there was no godmother or godfather on hand to answer that question. But, as though on cue, the entire congregation stood to its feet and said, We will. We will. Thank God for that congregation. This young woman and her child could have been rejected. The church could have turned their back on her. They could have shunned her, and that rejection could have led to a a very real disillusionment with anything religious. But this mother had the courage to bring her child to her community of faith, and fortunately, she found a group of people who would stand with her and support her. Thomas was hurt, but he still went to church He still didn't have the answers he sought. He still didn't understand why his master was dead. But at least he didn't cut himself off from the fellowship. And it was in that fellowship of faith that the risen Christ appeared to Thomas. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he turned to Thomas and said, Put your fingers here in my hands. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord, my God. Thomas went on to become a great missionary, a great Christian missionary. And my guess is that that this time of disillusionment and doubt actually left him a stronger person. And that happens So much more often than you may think. People go through some of the terrible testing in their life and they come out better and stronger on the other end. And and in their time of need, they feel the comforting presence of Christ and and something wonderful happens in their life and and in their hearts they cry out, My Lord, my God. And the darkness that has surrounded them slowly begins to dissipate. And they're able to see the light of hope again. 
It happens, my friends. And here's how it happens. Maintain your connections to the fellowship of faith. Let the people in the church love you and pray for you, especially in those times when you are tempted to be disillusioned, the times of struggle in your life. Let the people, your friends, your brothers and sisters in the church stand beside you. Maintain an openness to the comforting, healing power of God's Holy Spirit and give Christ a chance to come to you and to show you His hands and His feet because He has been where you are. And He wants to help you like Thomas to move from being disillusioned to being dynamic. It can happen. Just don't give up. Trust in the risen Christ and you will endure. Amen. We are going to observe the ordinance of the Lord's Supper now. Communion. And I want to invite all to participate in this. Christ welcomes us all to his table. Everyone is invited to the Lord's table to eat and to drink of our salvation. So I'll ask our deacons to come and take their places at this point. with his faith after Christ was crucified, his heart having a hard time believing that he was resurrected from the dead. He needed to see with his own eyes the scars in his hands and his side. But look at what Jesus did. He came to Thomas. He said, look, you see the scars? Put your fingers here. Place your hand in my side. In doing so, Jesus was saying to Thomas, this is what I've done. This is what I've suffered. I have fulfilled what the prophets have told. That the servant would suffer. And by his stripes we are healed. I have fulfilled that and I've done it for you. And in that simple expression, Thomas believed. He saw for himself and he believed. What we do here today is a symbolic representation of that very same thing. Because as we take the bread and the cup, 
We are following what Jesus taught at the Last Supper. That this bread is my body and that this cup is my blood. They didn't know it at the time. This was before the crucifixion, but this was Jesus' way of preparing them that this is what's going to happen. And this is what I'm willing to do for you. And so we're going to take the bread and the cup today. And as we take the bread and the cup, I hope that this will be for you like Thomas's experience with Jesus. That this will be you putting your fingers in Thomas's in uh, Jesus's hands. That this will be a realization for you that Jesus died for me. But the death did not keep him. He was resurrected. And that may be hard to believe. But we are here today because he died and because he was raised. As we take the Lord's Supper today, let us remember just how much God loves us.
Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread and gave thanks. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat.
In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. As often as you take this bread and drink this cup, proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. God is in this place. And God loves you very, very much. And it doesn't matter what has happened in your life, what kind of devastation you face, God's there. And He loves you so much that He would even die for you. And we have commemorated that today. And because of His resurrection, we have hope for life after our despair. We're going to sing a hymn in just a moment. Lord, speak to me that I may speak. There may be someone here today who would like to make a commitment to Christ to unite with this church. Or maybe, maybe there's someone here who just needs a time of prayer. We invite you to come to, together. Uh, come and, and share that with us and we'll have that time of prayer. We'll accept you into our fellowship. If God is leading you in any way, we invite you to come as we sing together number 568. Lord, speak to me that I may speak. Would you come? of the risen Christ we have gathered for worship. We do not see God, yet we believe enough to gather. We believe enough that we have come together to worship, and now as God sent Jesus to be the light of the world, the Spirit of Christ sends us into the world around us. May God unlock the doors of our fears that we might freely stand among the world's people, that we might share the touch of Jesus and that we might speak his words. Peace be with you. Amen. Amen.